And what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Codex Reviews. I'm your host, Jamie. And with me, for the first time, Tone Supa. Tone, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good. How's everybody doing out there? How you doing today, Jamie? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Just did a little ride to go get my pulls and excited to get into reading. But I'm more excited to get into what we're getting into today. So yes. want to tell everybody, ladies and gentlemen, what we're getting into. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So today, everyone, we will be reviewing a comic five part from IDW called The Last Ronin. Uh, the Last Ronin, uh, it really took place over, I guess, the five issues came out uh, between 2020, uh, kind of 2021 early through early 2022. So the five issues took a while to come out. And I'm sure a lot of that is COVID related. And it focuses on uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle property franchise specifically. Um, the Last Ronin is, uh, was a bit of a, I don't even know how to quite encapsulate it, a bit of a mystery. Um, we have one turtle left. And this one turtle, this one turtle considers itself a Ronin, a, uh, a samurai or a ninja in this case, without a master. That should tell you something. There's one turtle left. He doesn't have a master. So this story is steeped in tragedy. And it, it started with a big mystery. Which turtle is the last Ronin? And so uh, that's what we'll be, we will uh, be talking through today. Yeah. And obviously, we're going to go through the pros. We'll hit our cons. And at the end, we're going to give our full rating. So I'll kind of kick things off with the first pro I saw throughout this book. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I did love about this book was seeing the art jump back and forth. So we had the more modern take on the art mm -hmm. and then we had the original turtles take in mm -hmm. flashbacks. And I thought that was one of the best decisions they've done in a long time, being able to see that artwork transition, especially with Eastman. Um, I got to tell you, Esau and Isaac uh, Escorza are the arts. Uh, did they, they did the pencils and inks for this books. Amazing job. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, that jump back and forth, just like you said. Um, and it, it helped me establish that jump back and forth, helped me establish really what, what aspect of the story we're telling at any given time. So, um, there were some visual indicators there that I loved. I loved the look of, uh, of our last remaining turtle that was there. Um, yeah. I thought the art in this book, um, fit in with the story. The art didn't detract from the story. No. It didn't. And it wasn't bad where the art and you see some books where the art like distracts you from the story in that way. The art doesn't override the story where the art's so amazing. It takes you out of the story. Um, it's spot dead, a part of the story, a part of the atmosphere. It, yeah, absolutely. They nailed it. Yeah. It, it, it just, it hit, I feel like it made an impact on modern readers and the traditional Ninja Turtle fans. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Don't you got anything that, you know, you saw in there that really stood out to you? The, one of the things that stood out to me very early on was the dark, almost melancholy tone of the book. Now, I'm not a, uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic reader from a historic perspective. Um, and for our casual fans out there that don't really follow comics really closely, uh, I'm an 80s teen and so I kind of grew up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles song in my head I watched the cartoon even though it was a little bit younger than me just the fanboy in me seized onto the property loved it I've always loved things turtle related but um 
I never really collected the comics. It starts with Image as a property, mm-hmm. uh, and Image has a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle run, and then other companies get the property and write it. And so there's a massive turtle uh, a canon out there, if you will, a massive turn of, uh, turtle mythology that's been built around the, fr- the the property itself. And so I'm not savvy on a lot of that because I didn't collect a lot of it. So me coming in, I had that same uh, kind of... Uh, happy, lighthearted Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle energy that I saw in the 80s and in the early 90s in the television show, I should say in the in the TV cartoon and the movies, man, this really hit me smack in the face, right? Um, it starts off dark. And uh, when you're, you're confused, like, which turtle is this? You're looking for the cues, which turtle is this? And this turtle is really going through something. And he's clearly PTSD and trauma. He's talking to the brothers, they're not there, right? And so there's clearly PTSD going on. It's been traumatic. The language is just opaque enough, enough. You don't know which turtle he's talking to in his mind, but you know he's talking to his brother. So you still can't figure out which turtle it is. And um, by the end of book one, um, there's a run. There's, there's a uh, basically a suicide mission that the turtle is on at this point. Um, and it fails and because that suicide mission fails and this is by the end of issue one he's about to commit seppuku right as in take himself out now he doesn't because he passes out and when he wakes up it's even more his failure right i couldn't even commit seppuku effectively and that starts the story into uh the uh, other events but that's how dark this went that quickly like a teenage mutant ninja turtle living with PTSD, without everything on a suicide mission. And when it fails, about to take his own life. Now, just, it, it was a shock in the face. It let me know, sets the tone. This is not your normal turtle story. Yeah, and you hit everything right on the head on that aspect. Like how how the how dark it is compared to what we've witnessed in the past. And basically how that they transitioned it to where, you know, you see the other turtles all the time, which was another point that i had where at the beginning even the opening they're like where it's one of the opening lines wherever you go we go mm-hmm. no matter where it is and you don't see them right away but then you finally get to see them behind them talking to them and yeah. you don't really know who it is because the masks are all grayed out you, you can't tell who so they're leaving you in suspense right um and at the end of that issue it was just like did he no he just fell over okay whoo we're good. He's still, he's still there. Um, one of the things that I did enjoy was the fact that this was originally a four issue run. They added the fifth. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And if you, if you look at the end of the fourth issue on the bottom, it just says, or third issue, I, it's third issue. It says to be concluded ah. in the third. So four would have been the last, but they added another. So that's what that kind of lengthy uh-huh. fan was. I'm taking a look right now. Issue two, issue, there we go. Issue three, wow. I never caught that. Yeah, I I, brought, I was going over them again today and I was like, oh yeah, this was a four issue. How about that? Something, learn something new every day. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like it was a great decision on their part to add that extra issue because there would have been so much left untold. We would have sped through so much of this story without mm. that extra issue when these were oversized. That's right. So instead of the normal, you know, 22 to 24 pages, we were getting 48. Um, 
And like I said, one like that that's a major thing for me is how this book adding that extra issue came about really opened that story more up a little bit on what happened to the turtles. Um, obviously we got past the issue one aspect and I feel mm-hmm. like we can't tell this story unless we say who the turtle is. Cause the rest yeah. of it, we have to. So the one con that I do have was the turtle that was picked. Hold on. Wait a minute. One second. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yes. Heavy spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Cause there's not a lot more we can talk about without spoiling this. So if you don't want to know, you want to read now, this series is, is not brand new. So you can still, uh, so it's over. I think we're well beyond legitimate spoiler time personally. Yes. But if you don't want to know and you'd like to be completely surprised, please drop off the stream now, right? Or, or leave the stream running, but don't listen because we want you watching. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and uh, then go to your comic shop and pick it up. But if you don't care about spoilers, we're about to hit the spoiler section in five, four, three, two, go, Jamie. And the turtle that was picked was Michelangelo. That That's the one that stood out. And for me... I always felt like the turtle that should have been the last one was Donatello. Mm. He's in the continuity aspect of the turtles. He's already gone. He, he, he did die, which isn't a big spoiler because it was years ago that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. I felt like that would have been a great segue into him being the last one because mm-hmm. you, you look at like Leonardo, you can't use him. He's the leader. Obviously they're going to be like, that's the first one. Or right. they're going to look at Raph, who's the most aggressive. He's, you know, he has love for his brothers, but then at the same time, he has his rage. And you could use him, and that'd be another top person you'd pick. But then you got Mikey and you got Donnie. Yep. Mikey's always been the little brother, basically, of the group. And he's always been the one that's been the slowest or like not catching up and everything else. But you never hear about Donnie and what he can accomplish besides his tech skills. Right. So to me, using Mikey, I felt like was a, I, I, I figured that was going to happen in the first issue with Mikey. I, I, I called that right off the bat because I'm like, they're going to use Mikey because he was in the overall, the slowest, wasn't training as hard as everybody else, never took anything seriously. But yeah. to me, it should have been Donnie because we never got the full aspect of who Donnie is without his brothers. Yeah, I could see that. I can see you being un- unhappy with that. Um I really came to the realization before the book ever dropped, it's got to be Mikey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up being proven right. And I could see a case for each of the turtles being the last turtle left. I could see Leo, right? Um, I was like, it could make sense to just, uh, if, if they're going to kill one, the leader goes first. I could also say Leo has a crisis of leadership because he led his brothers to their death, right? Um, and I said, no, nah, but that would be too too easy, too yeah. simple, right? I said, it could be Raph. But then again, Raph was always a bit of a loner. He needed his brothers. He would be devastated to off as his brothers. But Raph was also one to go off on his own and do his own thing, right? Um, and so I said, that wouldn't be, if I were a writer, I don't think I would want to take that character uniquely unless I'm going to delve into Raph truly understanding what his brothers mean to him, right? Um, and then I thought, uh, Don, that really quickly led me to Donnie or Mikey, right? Mm-hmm. Which one's going to be left over? And I said, uh, it will work either way. Donnie never really gets the chance to showcase showcase his true ninja ability. And then on the flip side, Mikey's the most carefree one that doesn't really apply himself. And I said, either will work in the story of now they've had to fully step into being all aspects of their brothers. Um, 
but I thought my I, I thought uh when it came down to the final decision point for me, where I said, this is the one I think it's gonna be, it was just that Donnie always added something to everyone around him, even if it was through the technology. Mm-hmm. Mikey was to a large degree there for comic relief. He was an underutilized turtle in character. Um, and it even made me wonder at one point, I know a little bit after I stopped the, the show, they, uh, I think in the early 2000s, they introduced a sister turtle. What was her name, Venus? Uh, oh, in, in like the, live animation or because the new the new turtle right now is jenica okay um and so i thought it might be jenica i said venus but i thought it might be jenica and i thought well maybe they're going to throw us a big french curve and it's and it's neither one of them or and and so um but in the end it was mikey and uh that's the way they chose i could definitely see your it didn't bother me that it was mikey Mm -hmm. um because i think they could have really gone either way but uh, I can see why you would say, hey, I think Donnie should have been the one so we could explore some great Donnie times and have some great Donnie times, some great Donnie value. Right. But which this actually, now that we got the who was the turtle out of the way, leads into my favorite parts of this book. And that is how everyone went out. Yeah. My, my yeah. favorite scene in this book. And again, this is all spoilers right now. So if you guys haven't stopped this recording yet, press pause and go read it and come back and see it. You need to. Um, was when it was uh, Leo and Casey Jones. Yes. And they were literally exactly. holding the fort. Yes. Telling Mikey, he needs to go. We're taking care of this. Exactly. And Casey just looks right at him and goes, oh, you're buying pizza tonight. And he's like, yep. He goes, Pineapple. What was it? Pineapple, ham, and jalapeno. He goes, it, it just, Casey just looks at him. He's like, yeah, dude. He goes, you're weird. And then they go, they, they start running and everything explodes. And I was just like, it's like, they, it gives you, it gives me chills still just talking about it because they knew yeah, and they were playing it off. Like it was just another day. You know, you, that, that, that death scene. So the way the book is written. Um, so at the end of the book, uh, issue one, where Mikey is about to commit seppuku and he uh, seppuku and he he passes out, um, someone saw him. Uh, so uh, Shredder has a grandson. This this is all this whole story centers around Shredder's grandson, and his name is uh, Oroko Hiroto, right? Mm-hmm. So Oroku runs everything now, and he runs the city. And of course, need to say, just like any dystopian future, the the dystopian the the city that they've really built is like if you took. Uh, Blade Runner and mixed it with cyberpunk. That right? is a great way to explain it. Cause I couldn't even think of a way to explain it. Cause it's so just technologically advanced. Yeah. Exactly. Say it that way. And so it's a very stratified city though, with a ruling, very, very small hierarchy and everyone else living kind of in poverty. And so um, as you see in dystopian society <laughs> stories. And so um, Mikey is on this suicide mission to kill uh, kill Hiroto, and he fails. Now, interestingly, Mikey falls from the top of a skyscraper, right? Hits the ground, doesn't die, does crazy damage to himself, though, and manages to crawl into the sewers, and someone sees him crawl into the sewers, right? And so um, that's where he goes to commit Sepku. He passes out from his injuries, and when he wakes up, he's looking at an old April O'Neil, right? Yes. Who's looking back at him. And uh, and she immediately she's the one who gives you the big reveal. Right. She's the one who says, what are you doing, Michelangelo? 
uh, uh, what are you doing? Uh, uh, what are you doing, Michelangelo? And you're like, oh, it's Mikey. That's when you find out the last page yeah. of the last book, right? And he's laying in, in the, her uh, hospital bed, basically. And the first thing she says in the next book, part two, is that, uh, you know, his mutation has advanced. He's bigger, he's stronger. And that's how he was able to survive that fall, even though it really messed him up. And he's healing at a ridiculous rate. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was April O'Neil's daughter that found a daughter she had with Casey Jones, right? Yep. And so she has a daughter named Casey Marie. And Casey Marie, just like any teenager, wants to get out, wants to fight this corruption in the city, just like her parents would have. And you find out April was, April's been low-key planning to do something about it, but the time just hasn't been right. And um, it gives Donnie something to fight for. But as the story unfolds with them trying to take that planning to take down Hiroto, Mikey's still talking to his brothers. You see their images throughout the book. He, he, they, they're always in his ear. He's never really alone, but it's painful for him. It's, they're arguing, they're judging, they're encouraging, they're cynical, just like brothers can be. And, um, but it does nothing but emphasize the fact his brothers aren't there. But it's within these slices of the book where you get to see the flashback as to what happened to each each part of the brothers. So you have uh, Splinter and Donatello dying in Japan, right? You have uh, Casey Jones and uh, Leonardo dying, um, dying holding the fort so Mikey can get away. Uh, you have uh, Raphael dying uh, when they, uh, all of this takes place, Hiroto approaches the turtles for mm-hmm. a truce. Splinters wants peace. He's it's suspicious for him, but uh, he wants to take the step out on peace, and it turns out to be a trap. And, and they are all split up. And um, when uh, when the turtles go to leave, they get ambushed. Raph does what Raph does. Raph goes out on a war path, slays a bunch of, of the ninja, right? And no, mm-hmm. and he ends up fighting one of their key generals. It was they, uh, Shredder's daughter. Yeah. And they kill each other, right? Uh, they she kills she stabs him through the chest. He stabs her through the uh, like kind of up through the neck, and that's it. They die. They float away in the water. And so um, again, you find these snippets out though across the course of the story. And so um, oh, I've just been talking forever, Jamie. Go ahead and jump. Oh in no, there. you're good, man. I, hey, I can sit here and listen to you all day. It's easier that way. Let's work for me. Um, <laughs> but no, it. There's there was a lot of points, and one point you did bring up was April O'Neil, and I thought she was the glue that held this book together. Yeah. Uh, my favorite aspect of her being in it uh, was the fact that we got to see what this war, what this resistance did to her mm-hmm. when she was getting dressed and she's missing an arm and a leg. Yeah, you know, and she's having these flashback nightmares where she can't control them. She's waking up in the middle of the night because she's seeing all her loved ones basically die yeah and she doesn't know what to do but now she's got mikey back to finally be able to do that yeah absolutely it, there's so much emotion around in the book you come to find out that casey marie the daughter seems to be really strong for a teenage late a teenage girl and mm-hmm. i said uh, mikey's <laughs> mutation has continued and april drops that she's enhanced from the mutagen in their blood from Casey and April's continued exposure to the turtles over that time affected them to the point that when they had a child, the child is exceptionally strong and agile. And um, 
that leads its way to Mikey beginning to be her sensei, which you're mm-hmm. kind of rooting for like, wow, man, this is what I'm talking about. They're paving the way for the next generation of turtle stories. You got the right? next karate kid right yeah. there. <laughs> and I said, okay, this is where this is going to go. As the story progresses though, it does a lot to take, take that hopeful light from you. They make sure to keep the tension of, of that this, they're fighting an oppressive government against all odds. And so Mikey's constantly in a position, placed in a positions where he's doubt, he doubts his own skill, but if he doesn't, people are gonna die. If he doesn't do what he has to do, people are gonna die. So he's constantly in life-saving mode when he himself isn't sure he wants to live anymore. He just wants to kill Hiroto to avenge his family. And so that's what his priority is. Um, not saving the city. If I can save the city and do this, this is great, which is really dark if you think about it. If I can help the resistance, fine. If I can save the city, fine. But my goal is to kill him, even if I die. And that takes us kind of towards the end, if you will, into the kind of the last quarter of of the series. And um, what'd you think about that aspect of the book? Okay, so we'll jump into this last issue because I know one thing me and you did have is differences on the last issue and we saw it differently. Um, But one thing that I want to say was a con for me, it's not the structure of the book, let's say, but I felt that like this would have been the perfect swan song of a story arc for a main Ninja Turtles line. Rather than just like an Elseworlds kind of title, I felt this should have been in continuity and this should have been a lead up from 100 issues to this. You know, this would have been that perfect way to go out mm-hmm. in my eyes. That, that's the one kind I saw. But we want to snap into the last issue. And for me, I thought it was a perfect way to wrap this up. Um, I felt like this was ba- the ending was basically a, like a love letter to the fans in a sense where you finally, Michelangelo looks at his brothers and goes, go, I'm done with you. I can't do it. I, the only way I'm going to win is if you aren't here. Cause I can't take the judgment no more. He ends up fighting. Basically learns how to take out uh, Hiroto's armor that he has because he has special ar- special armor like the Shredder, but more advanced, as we were saying earlier. Because Imagine Shredder they- armor mixed with the T-1000 from the Terminator 2. Yes. That's Again, perfect way to say it. This is, is why you're on the team. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, they're fighting and he finally finds that little nick in his armor and finds out how to really stop him. But by the end, we find out that Michelangelo dies. And there's a scene at the end where April's with Casey and Casey's still training. April's still working. And Casey comes out and she's like, Oh, I got to feed all you guys and comes over by the four turtles and all of them have the same names. But then right after that, we cut to Michelangelo waking up and there's his whole family. And it's just like another day, just another day in the sewer. And I felt like that couldn't have ended any better for me. Um, Like I said, it's basically that love letter. Like, hey, thank you for all the time you invested in us here. If this was an ending, this is how it would go. Yeah. So for me, I did like the last issue a lot. I felt that it impacted the whole story 
impacted up to this point, and it played out almost perfectly. Yeah, I wish I could say that, but I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I can't say Tone, that. Tone's gonna, Tone's gonna break my heart. He's gonna give me the breakup letter <laughs> instead of the love letter, huh? Nah, it's like for me, um, I can't say it's bad. It made sense. It was well written and well executed. I absolutely think it's a love letter. Um, they set Mikey on a path of a suicide mission of redemption through death, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the path he stayed on until the end of this book. And I guess the kind of uh, almost, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm willing to call it cliche approach to story is you want to see people come off of that path, right? right? Have the epiphany, I can still have value, not be so dark and come back to the light. And that's what was offered to Mikey at the time when he becomes Casey Sensei. And at one point in issue three and four, she's calling him Sensei. He's teaching her how to fight, right? She's been reading Splinter's Ninja book, but there's only so much she can learn on her own. And Mikey starts teaching her and um, he, they go into battle and she calls him Sensei. And I think they're setting the stage for Mikey, who was the weakest turtle, if you will, the one who never applied himself, he's going to be the new sensei and whatever comes next. And that's what I saw by issue three and four. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my expectation went. Um, so Mikey now has something. To, he tells his brothers to go away. Keep in mind, he's PTSD. His brothers are actually in his mind. Right. They're not actually there. They're dead. And so he hears his judgment of himself in their prose, in their voice. Um, his judgments manifest as them talking to him and judging him, right? And so it's really tragic. And, you, and then at one point, he gets to a point where he tells them enough, and he's done with those. He can't do what he has to do with those insecurities that, that are manifested as his brothers in his head and talking to him. And so I'm like, okay, we've got another motion for Mikey here, taking a step back towards the light, if you will. Right. Um, he's, he's pushed his insecurities to the side for the mission at hand. He's got Casey here, Casey Marie. Um, and then he goes into this final confrontation with Hiroto um, and they, he dies. Right. He, he kills Hiroto as he pledged to and he sacrifices his life. And it left me really empty at that point. Like um, I just watched the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle die. And that wasn't something I wanted to see. Uh, I, I didn't want to see their death. It makes sense in the context of storytelling, mm -hmm. but it broke my heart and left me empty at that moment. And then for the close to see uh, uh, Casey Marie uh, now with the training that Mikey gave her, better understanding Spinner's book and she's going to continue training herself and raise these four new turtles, which kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't see them anywhere else in the story. Um, and so I was wondering, like, is April going to inject those turtles with mutagen? Is that how that's going to work? She's going to crack uh, open the ooze, like, in the second movie and just pour it on them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, like, and, and so, well, I was like, no, I don't want four new turtles with their names. Like, just give me back my turtles, right? <laughs> give me, just give me freaking Mikey. You, I still got Mikey. You just killed him. I want and my. Then, I don't want no great value turtles. I want my it, refund back. Like, yeah, I want. I don't want the turtles from Wish, right? <laughs> I, 
I, I want freaking just give me Mikey, man. And um, and so when Mike, then you see Mike in the afterlife, and his afterlife is he's there as kids again with his brothers and with Splinter and with Casey, uh, Casey Jones, uh, just like they were. Uh, and he was looking for the sewer, and they're like, we don't have to be in the sewer anymore, right? Where we are now, and that's how the book ends. And so Mikey got to go back to the family that he loved in his mm -hmm. death, right? And that just left me sad and flat and remorseful, right? Um, but it and, made you feel. Oh, yeah. It absolutely made me feel. Uh, it made me feel like, fuck the what, right? <laughs> um, but um, I, I can't say, I would never say it's bad, Um some of that is just my own. Uh, once they introduced light into Mike's life, I thought Mike was going uh, was going to follow his, follow that light back into where he needed to be to be around. Um, and that is not the direction these writer the, the writers did. And the writer for this is Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. They did the they they wrote the book, they did the story, and they did the pencils. And great job to all three of them. Yes. Um, the kick-ass job on this um and uh but that's not they didn't take the easy out and and i think anybody would tell you that that path that i was expecting is the easy out they show him the light and the character moves back towards the light and at the end uh april uh i should say casey marie saved me and and now i get a new pupil and i would have loved to see that right but they stayed committed to where mike was right I, at the beginning of the book, Mike was committed to die for this goal and his commitment. Remember what we said about the turtles. Mike was always the most undisciplined. He was the one who never applied himself. He applied himself here, even though it led to his death. Right. And so uh, I can't be angry at where the writers took it. Mm -hmm. Bang up job, though. It broke my heart. Yeah. But it, at the end, I feel like like kind of what you were alluding to, it, it would have been the easy out. It would have been the it would it would have it would have followed the hero's journey like in all every aspects of media that we see today. You always get to the darkest point and then the lights at the end of the tunnel. Well, in this case, his light was at the end of the tunnel. It was just a different format of way to get there. Um, but yeah, overall, what what are you gonna grade this one for the fine ladies and gentlemen out there? Uh, tone. Um, kind of hard to grade. Uh, oh, I, I went back and forth about this kind of hard to grade uh i'll have to say if, if we're gonna go to a five scale uh we're going to 10 on this one right. uh 10 then probably an eight to okay. 8.5 I'm, I'm pretty high on it um i don't think by any means it was perfect there are things i would have liked to see more of like the four turtles at the end i would have liked to see more of them than just show up in a in a panel at the end mm -hmm. uh the four new turtles I would have liked to see more, uh, even though I'm sure clearly they introduced another book here. I would have liked to see more of the relationship between Mikey and Casey, uh, Casey Mar uh, Marie, mm -hmm. uh, developing as master and sensei. Um, it's I just can't see someone becoming a ninja just from reading their own book. I know that's what Splinter did. Uh, depending on which canon you look at, he had training back in Japan and some the movie. He read a book and uh, he just watched his master and he practiced the same thing. There've been different incarnations of how Splinter became a ninja and how he mastered the ninja arts. But um, uh, mm -hmm. I, I didn't get to see uh, 
this call me the this is the kitty teenage uh <laughs> kitty a teenage mutant ninja turtle fan in me but i didn't see bebop or rocksteady right i was hoping there would be like a cameo just them running in the background destroying something yeah something something anything even if you say they died you know even if they were the ones that showed up and died fighting leo and uh fighting leo and casey uh casey jones uh, i'd have been cool with that um uh, there's the uh, Fujitoid uh, story in there that I liked. I would have liked to see more on him with Baxter uh, see, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get after Fujitoid. Um, it's there. It's a it's a big it's a significant part of the story, yes. but it's not fleshed out. So I could have seen this going two more issues, and it would have made me happier. Right? They would have right. got more panel time uh, for those things. But within the space that these writers had and the and the artists had and what they did. I can't really complain about it. So I'm giving it an eight to an 8.5. Yeah, okay. Hey, that's a great score because I was going back and forth about this. At first, I was at like a 9.5, 9.4 area in my mind, but it kind of dropped more. I went back over it a little bit. So for my overall score, I'm in between 8.5 and 9. So I'm going 8.7 overall on this because I can't really give it that middle of the road or that significant number. You know what I mean? It's Jamie's it's, breaking it down low. 8.724798. Well, for anyone that's watching the show, that's how we've always done our reviews. We kind of do the whole, you know, like, where do you feel? Because sometimes it's hard to be like, I'm going to give this a solid eight or I'm going to give this an 8.5. No, I'm like right in the middle. So like you were, I am too, but I'm like right in the middle between 8.5 and nine. So 8.7 for me. My brother-in-law knuckles me down. Love you, Bill. And uh, and he'll like, uh, come on, get off of it. What is it? Is it an eight? It's an eight point five. You're being mealy mouth when you go lower than when you go within the decimals like that, right? And uh, so I've always laughed at that. But I I, I definitely get your I definitely get your rating. Um, if you are a fan of the Teenage Ninja uh, Ninja Turtles, then and you and you're a more adult fan. I wouldn't take this and put it into the hands of your kids. It's not no. that kind of teenage mortal, uh, mutant uh, Ninja teenage Turtles, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> at all. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and uh, not that kind of story at all that take and put into your hands of your kids. If you were a fan when you were younger and now you're growing up and you want to see more mature, darker stories, more mature characters, um, then yeah, it's a great read. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I do highly recommend this to anybody that's a turtle fan or even people that are trying to think about getting into the turtles as an aspect. This is a great story. It's an Elseworld story. It, it, it's a great way to see Eastman and Laird, Laird at their best, you know, so you can definitely check this out. And I think that this would be a great, you know, way to jump into something, especially as told from a different perspective. Absolutely. So with that being said, Guys, I want to thank everyone who showed up to watch this today. Uh, as always, we are on all social medias. So guys, go find it. All you got to do is type in the Codex Station. We're also on TikTok, Twitch, YouTube, Discord. Um, there's a surprise coming out here soon that we're going to be talking about that you guys are going to see. So there's going to be more. Um, but guys, like as always, be kind to one another out there. You never know what anyone's going through. You know, just a smile can change the perspective of someone's day or life. So always be kind. And guys, I will see you in the next one and let Tone take us out. And this is Tone Super, the sci-fi swordsman and sage gamer about to sign off. And just remember, right, a lot of things are going on in the world. There's a lot of stress out there. A lot of people going through things, right? Take a look at someone 
be your best self. I'm a, I'm a Trekkie at heart. Be your best self. Remember, at the Codex Station, we love comics and we love heroes. And you are a hero. Have a great evening. Bye, guys.